0: All right, good morning. Welcome again to Legacy Church. My name is Mark Lewis. I'm uh, one of the pastor elders here, the associate pastor. My full time job, I work with a ministry called Campus Outreach and uh, spend time with university students, uh, meeting, meeting students, sharing the gospel on multiple campuses uh, all over the state of Tennessee. So I am happy to be here uh, with you this morning in this capacity. Of preaching and teaching I don't preach a whole lot and but I do enjoy it and my prayer this morning really is that God through his word that the Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning and to encourage us this morning I'm already encouraged just seeing you here there's a couple of guys I'm not gonna point them out but there's a couple of college students here visiting for the first time and just ran into them in the lobby they're like where do we go what do we do And it was just encouraging to me. Do you remember, those of you that are in the room that are older than 22, college, career, whatever, out of high school, do you remember what it was like to be kind of figuring out how to be a man, how to be a woman, where to go, what to do? And part of it, maybe, if you were a believer, it was, I might need to find a place to go to church. That's not easy to do, but I am excited and I'm thankful for this group of people that we... We are a welcoming people. If you would go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm sixty-seven, Psalm sixty-seven, uh, we've we've already walked through it with the call to worship, but I'm going to read it here in just a minute. We are finishing up our anthem three series. Why three? This is the third time that we've been walking through the anthem series. Why anthem? Because an anthem is a song. It is it is not just a not just a little song, but a big song about big things. So an anthem. So this is the third time that we've been walking through some of these things together. So next week, we're going to move into a different series. So we're looking forward to that. So make sure you join us next week as we begin to walk through parts of another book of the Bible. So I'm going to I know we've prayed multiple times this morning, and I've had, even had two guys come up and, and lay hands on me and pray for me this morning. But let me pray, and then we're want to read Psalm 67 and get, get going. Let me pray. God, I just thank you. I thank you so much for your saving grace in my life that you have set me free. You've broken the chains. You've, you've unbound me from the shackles of sin. You've given me a song to sing. You've given me a hope. You've given me a future. And that's the same for all of us in this room that are believers, who you have called according to your purpose. God, would you be with us this morning? God, would we see your word and would we be a changed people? Would we be a people who receive your word and are filled up with with love and joy with who you are? And may that propel us out into our living rooms with our families, into our places of work, into our clubs, organizations, into our schools, for your name and for your glory. Not for ours, not for the name of legacy, but for your name and glory so that the nations can be glad. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise Praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So, this summer, 2024, nations are going to be gathering together. Okay? I'm not predicting the Lord is returning. The Olympics are coming, the Olympics will be in France, and nations are gathering. Not all nations. Some don't partake. But we are going to be gathering for the Olympics. And I grew up, just like so many of you, loving the Olympics. Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics. Uh, for me, it was because McDonald's had stuff in the Happy Meal. And, and on the sides of the cup, there were the pill, the, the pill off the side of the cup. And, and you can win some free french fries and learn something about downhill skiing for the Winter Olympics. And now... BMX, and skateboarding in the Summer Olympics. When I say now, I just dated myself. I think it's been 25 years. But I remember when that began to be an Olympic sport. So the nations are gathering. You're going to have people desiring, men and women desiring to win, to get a gold medal. Now, if I was going to the Olympics, because I know me, I'm going to be striving for that gold medal. I promise you that's what I want. But silver or bronze, that's okay, too. But the gold medal, that's what we want. That's what we want the nation to have. That's what we want the USA to get. That's why we got so excited about Michael Phelps just raking them in. Mary Lou Retton, years ago, raking them in. Just the gold medal. Because these athletes, they, they want to make a name for themselves. And, we, and we're okay with that. This is their craft. This is what they're doing. They've put this work in there. But they also want to make a name for their nation. They're they're proud of their nation, where they've come from. Now, some, maybe more than others, but the nation. And here's the thing. If you get the gold medal, you're, you're standing up there, and then what is played? That country's national what? Anthem. It's played. Now, it's just the music. Because we don't speak every language. So it's just the music. And every time we hear an anthem, we're like, I'm assuming there's some good words behind that about my country and winning and us and let's go. Right? There might even be some acknowledgement to, to a spiritual deity. But the thing is, is the song is being sung. An anthem is being sung. And it is saying, this is... This is for our country. But when Jesus does return, when Jesus does return, there will be a gathering of all nations. All nations will participate in this gathering. All nations will be there. And there will be a crowning of victors. And this is what is crazy. Those of us that are in Christ We are victors. We receive a crown. We receive a medal, so to speak. But it's not because of who we are or what we've done. This crown is because we receive the reward, the earning, the work, the victory of another, of Jesus Christ, who receives the crown and gives us crowns. It's not because we brought our A game to this life. We don't. I don't bring my A-game. I don't, I don't deserve a gold medal, silver medal. I feel like maybe a bronze, but probably not. Probably not. But in heaven, when the nations are gathered, there is going to be this overwhelming sense again of why me, but thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy upon me. Jesus, your work, your life, your death, your resurrection is why I'm here. And there will be an anthem. There will be an anthem that is played, that is sung. And I say sung for this one because in this passage I'm about to read, it mentions all these elders around the throne with their harps. I looked up, what what, what was an Old Testament harp? Because, you know, I'm picturing... I'm picturing just this big harp, which is amazing if you've ever seen it. So I'm not, I'm not dogging on harps. But I don't know. It's stringed instruments. We don't know. It's going to be, is it a stratocaster? I don't know. Is it, is it what, what kind of stringed instrument are these elders in heaven going to have around the throne? We don't know. But we know they have a harp. So with that, there's a song. And listen to this. Revelation 5. As though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp. And Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, and have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering numbering, myriads of myriads, and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Babel is being undone. We tried to make a name for ourselves. Look at us, look how great we are. Let us build a tower in Babel so the nations can see us. And God said, no, it's not about your name. You've been missing this since the garden. This is about my name and you're good. If it's about your name, it's not about your good at all. You got to trust me. We tried to make a name for ourselves, and God said, nah. Shazam, boom, multiple language happened, and people didn't understand each other. And man, when I lived in Thailand, I was like, man, why did we have to do that? I'm like, ah, I can't speak this language. I'm have to keep going to school every morning learning this language, learning and learning because we tried to make a name for ourselves. But at the same time, it reminded me day after day, God, you're going to give me this language because you want a name for yourself. So you're going to give me the language to speak about you. So while Revelation 5 is a song in glory, we can sing it now. Psalm 67, I believe, is is one of our anthems, but a very big anthem that the church, that we are to sing this side of heaven because of that song that will be sung in heaven. This is a song, this is a song that we are to march into battle with. We are to even relax in our living room with our family and friends with. This is a song that is to help us to see that there are slaves that need to be freed. It's a song that builds up to the Revelation song. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. So let's dive into Psalm 67. Verse 1 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. So this is the gospel on fire that you would see, God, would you be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us? You see, God has been gracious to us. He's been gracious to his people the very moment we committed treason in the garden. And said, you are no longer king of my life. I will eat what I want to eat. I will do what I want to do. And they learned very quickly, oh, okay, I guess I, guess I do. But that didn't go very well. Now we're outside of the kingdom. We're outside of the garden. We're outside of the goodness. We're outside of that daily walk with the Lord. We are now kind of on our own out here because of our treason. So God has been gracious to us from even then because he told Adam and Eve, I'm going to save you. There will be one to come. There will be one to come. And the people of the Old Testament were waiting for that Messiah to come. So ever since the Garden of Eden, even since we grumbled our way out of Egypt, oh, Lord, why can't we just still be in slavery? Why can't we just still have a little bit of food and whatever, but be in slavery? God brought us out of slavery in Egypt. Israel, the Jewish nation, brought them out. He was gracious. We grumbled all the way out of it, all the way through it, and continue. To grumble, He was gracious during our fireside denials of him while he was on trial, while he was suffering. He was gracious to us. We cried, Hosanna in the highest, when Jesus came into town. Hosanna in the highest, and the next day we said, crucify him. He's been gracious to us for a long time. And he we could share story after story about my life and how he's been gracious to me. So God, may you be gracious to us and bless us. And in Christ He has. He has. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus. That because of my sin, I deserve death. I need to be punished for my sin, receive eternal wrath. Uh, Hell is what I deserve. But God sends Jesus, the Son, to this earth. He lives a perfect life. He dies a death on the cross. He receives the punishment in my place. He defeats sin and death. The power of sin rises up from the dead and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, come follow me. And we place our faith in him. He forgives us of our sins. And he not only leaves us forgiven and clean, but invites us in, adopts us in, and calls us children and sits us at his table. This is a very brief snapshot of the gospel. If you are not a believer, please come talk to me afterwards and say, what is this gospel? What is this good news? He has been gracious to us. God, be gracious to us and bless us. And make your face to shine upon us. It's like, do these, did this psalmist, many believe it was David? Does he know what he's asking? Has he been listening to the stories of the holiness of God? Would you shine your face upon us? Basically, it's almost saying, would you just go ahead and destroy us with your holiness and your glory? But this is a different ask. The psalmist knew what he was asking. Would you shine your smile upon us? Your undeserved favor? Would you be gracious in the way of that grace is knowing that your face is shining upon us? Your favor, your care, your love for us, your provision for us. Would you do that? Would you shine upon us? Your favor, your smile, your delight. Why? (laughs) Why? Why would the Lord delight in me? Because he chooses to delight in me. Not because of me, but because of his love that he desires to pour into me. He loves saving sinners. He loves getting the glory for that. But this prayer in verse 1, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. This is a prayer, but it's rooted It's rooted in a promise. Look on the screen. You don't need to turn here. Numbers 622 through 27 says this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's what this psalmist is praying. This is something that God said, pray this. This isn't just the psalmist saying, hey, here's a creative prayer. This is, God, you said, you said ask for this. And I'm asking for this. Be gracious to us shine your face upon us. And we see in verse 26 that it is the Lord lifting up his countenance upon us and giving us peace. 27, so they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So soon we shall see in this psalm that it wasn't just for the the Jewish nation. It wasn't just for the people of Israel that this blessing, this mercy, this grace, this smiling upon was to be for the nations. Spurgeon says this, Forgiveness of sin is always the first link in the chain of mercies experienced by us. Mercy is a foundation attribute in our salvation. The best saints and the worst sinners may unite in this petition. It is addressed to the God of mercy by those who feel their need of mercy, and it implies the death of all legal hopes or claims of merit. When we say, Lord, be, be gracious, be merciful, we are saying, I have no merit. I need you. The best of saints, those that look like everything is together, and the worst, those that look, ah, can't, can't you even, can't you even. We all meet with the same need. We need the grace, the mercy of God. And Jesus knows that. We have no legal hopes, no claim for something from ourselves. We have a claim to the legal hope of the justification that has happened through Jesus Christ. I claim what he has done. He has given me his record, and that is mine. So Lord, be gracious to us. You have been gracious to us. And you'll see throughout the Psalms, and even even through this Psalm here, "Selah." Selah. This is a this is a pause. There's two of these in this passage. This is a pause, and often because we know that even in this, it says that this is a, it, it, it says to the, the leader, the the chief musician, and with the stringed instruments for this Psalm, and uh, we we know that this is a song, and so most likely it's a pause. Maybe it was a little. Piano, if you would, not playing the piano, but soft. Maybe it began a little soft. Lord, but you be gracious to us. May you shine your face upon us. There's a pause, reflection. Maybe it goes into a key change. When you're watching American Idol, America's Got Talent, and that key change comes, you know. Oh, they're about to something. Maybe it's a little more forte. Maybe the the the, the sound gets a little bit louder. I think one of the, the most brilliant quotes I've ever heard from Spurgeon, he said this. He said about the people playing the harps for this psalm. He said, then the harps were harped by the harpers. I was like, what does this even mean? And I moved on. I went on. All right. So there's a, there's a lot of harping going on in here, but, it's, but what is happening there is a movement. So, so we begin to move up into something, something where, the, where God Himself, but the writer is saying, don't miss this. Paul's key change, that Your way may be known on the earth, Your saving power among the nations. Lord, be gracious to us. Shine Your face upon us. So the world may know. So the world may know. And this was different. This was something different. It wasn't different in the mind of God back in Numbers, but it's a different type of prayer happening because it's an inclusion of the nations. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. So what is his way? What is God's way? It's simply his will, what he so desires. It's his word, the word of God, what he speaks, what he says to us. It's also his works, what he does. In his book, God God Shines Forth, Michael Reeves, he he lays out a a very interesting story of a pastor from the 1500s. Many of you think this pastor was only concerned about predestination. This pastor's name is John Calvin. And he lays out, John Calvin saw very clearly that God's way must be made known on the earth so his saving power would go out to all the nations. He also knew that we have to take great delight in who God is. We have to have faith in the God of the nations, the God of the Bible. And what Calvin did, he didn't just sit in his smart brain knowing one day that we would still be arguing with what he said. Many of you don't even know that he's considered the the pastor of the Holy Spirit. You still think he's only the pastor of difficult doctrine. But this is what he did when he he read the Bible. So he was from France, now he's in Switzerland, Geneva, and he sees we've got to get this good news of the gospel out to the world. How are we going to do that? How are you going to use me, the way that you have designed me, God? How are you going to help me to do that? So what he did is he set up a training center for missionaries to go out into the world. He called it the academy. Some people hear the academy and they think just about the books, the doctrines. Important and good. But Calvin's heartbeat was for the nations. So he set up a theological school in Geneva. This was to train the next generation of pastors. He wanted to send them out all over the world, all over Europe, and beyond. And here's the thing, it worked. Those pastors sent out all over Europe, planting churches, saying, God is glorious, his word is true, Jesus is the one that justifies, Jesus is the one that sanctifies, the Holy Spirit is the one who changes us, and the nations must know this truth. Let us go out into these places, and these pastors did that all over Europe and all the way even to Brazil. But he also paid special attention to his homeland of France, where there was a lot of unrest and it was a dangerous place for Christians. So in 1555, like this is a long time ago, in 1555 to 1562, the academy sent out 100 missionaries. That's a lot of missionaries in a short amount of time. That's a whole lot. They went out to France. This is to France. They went to France with these miniature Bibles in these little, they didn't have the rip and sip cups, but that's what I was picturing when I'm reading this. Went out with these little communion packets that could be sewn within their suits, their clothes, to kind of hide it. So when they're talking to somebody and sharing the gospel, and they begin to see, okay, we can, they bring out these, these little scriptures. And then somebody, oh, you are a believer. Let us, let's have communion together. Let's remember Christ together. These missionaries were going out. In the end, in the end of these endeavors, and I still believe things are happening but in the end, about 2,000 congregations in Europe and overseas, about 2,000 congregations were formed with around 3 million members. Three million! I know that doesn't sound a lot in 2024. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And it happened from men and women saying, yes, doctrine, theology, your word, yes, and the nations, we have to know you. We have to know your ways so that your saving power could be made known. And here's what I believe. I believe the more entrenched you are in the goodness and the glory and the truths of God of the Bible, you will want to be on mission. Daniel eleven thirty two, 32b says this. I'll read the end of this The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. It's real easy to have the posture of only standing firm. We must stand firm. The Bible says that. We must stand firm. But let's take action. Let's be a people of action in our families, in our neighborhoods, our places of work. Let us take the gospel out into Knoxville, and all over. So this is something that is for all of us. Listen to 1 Peter 2. When we think about making his way known. But you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. This type of prayer, this type of truth in 1 Peter, this, this shouldn't just be about light within my own heart, light within my own house, but for the goodness of Knoxville. So our supplications, Read the, uh, I'm going to read this. This is, this is another guy from a long time ago. This is, he was born in 1797. His name was Henry Law. He said this. When it comes to be gracious and shine your face and make your way known, let, the salvation, let your salvation be known. He says this. But such prayer should not be limited to our, to our joys only. It should be enfolded in its embrace It should enfold in its embrace the whole family of man. Our supplications should beseech him to look beyond our own needs and to make known throughout the world his purpose, his will, his grace, his love, his designing, sending Jesus to assume our flesh, his covenant of everlasting peace in him. But such prayer lacks the essence of sincerity if it evaporates in word only it makes no effort to secure fulfillment how vain to pray and not to labor in the missionary cause we are called in first peter we are called in psalm 67 we are called to be a part of pushing the darkness back not just keeping the darkness out let's keep the darkness out i fight for my children I desire for the darkness to stay out. But I want to push back the darkness. I want to be a part of God's missionary call to push back the darkness, to take a little candle, a little light into a dark place and light up the room. We could close, close the lights. We could turn the lights out right now. And I could light a little candle in the back of that room and eventually you're all going to see that little candle in the back of the room. Light pushes out the darkness. We are called to do this, to be a part of this. We have to remember that when Christ came from the beginning, Christ faced outward. He faced outward. That's why we're in here, because he looked outside of even the people of Israel. Most of you in this room are Gentiles. He looked outside of the camp. He looked outside of just Jerusalem. He looked inside. He went inside, but he looked out. And he said, I will go and get them. So we are not to hide within our safe places, our camps. We are to also go outside the gate with our Savior, who is victorious, who did win, that has given us a crown. Not because we're going to go out there with him and do a lot of stuff and deserve a crown, but because of what he has done we get the privilege of being a part of his missionary endeavors in our homes, in our cities, and all over the world. Spurgeon says this, It would, however, be very wrong to let our charity end where it begins, as some do. Our love must take long marches, and our prayers must have a wide sweep. We must embrace the whole world in our intercessions. Let's pray for the world. Let's pray for our families. Do you see the people in front of you as you are loving them for who they are and trying to help them with their actual concerns, their needs that are in front of them? Do you also see and believe that there's people, there's people that are represented in that person in front of you, that they too can go and share the goodness of Christ? Verse 3, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So not just let, the, let Israel praise you, but let all the people, let the whole world praise you. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. This is a make it happen, Lord. Make it happen. Let it be. It's not a a prayer of, I'm not sure if this is going to happen. This is, let it happen. Let the nations be glad. You said you're going to do it. You are going to do it. Let us see it. God didn't need me when he said, let there be light. He didn't need me when he said, let there be lions. He didn't need me when he said, let there be man and woman. But we get to be a part of. Light and lions, men and women. We get to be a part of him saying to us, let the nations be glad. We get to go out. But Lord, would you do that? Would you do that? Make it happen, Lord. Lord, would you let the nations be glad? Let my family be glad. Let this city be glad. Probably the harshest thing that I'll say this morning is this. If you don't love or at least, at least aim to love at the mission of Christ, of other people knowing Jesus, you may not love Jesus. You may not love Jesus. I'm not saying you have to be successful in the sense of leading lots of people to Christ, but if you don't see that my neighbors need Christ and I want to help share with them, but I don't know how to do that. Let me get help. Maybe let me invite one of my obnoxious evangelist friends over. Whatever. But we're all called to be a part of this. Do you love the nations like God loves the nations? Five, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This is a repeat verse. God desires for the nations to praise him. Six, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. This psalm is actually is also considered a harvest psalm as the crops do come in. There is a Lord, would you continue to bless us physically? Would you give us the crops that we need? But this is very clearly a spiritual prayer. Lord, would your grace, would your mercy continue to go out? Matthew 9, 35-38 says this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Psalm 67 is a prayer for laborers to go out into the harvest. Lord, let the nations be glad. Make your way be known. Your salvation be known. But there's an implicit understanding that we are the ones to go take the gospel, take the good news out. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. The pressure is off. It's his harvest. He's going to do the work, but he invites us in to be a part of it. So Jesus went throughout all the cities. And here's the truth. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. He's doing it through people that know how to work on nuclear reactors, or at least the safety systems, whatever it is. Adam Dethridge just way smarter than me. He's doing it through teachers. He's doing it through moms at home loving on their children. He's doing it through students coming to visit a church for the first time that have an awkward guy saying, "Let me just ask you this question. You're here this morning. You don't have to answer this question, but are you a believer?" Yes, we're a believer. Okay, well, we're going to do communion at the end, so go ahead and grab one of those cups. If you're not, it's fine. The gospel is to go out into all the world. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. He says there's other sheep that are to be brought into this fold, and he says I too must go in and bring them in. He's the one that's going to do it. We need to submit and go out and do it. And here's the thing for me, I leave the evangelistic zeal arguments with those that want to fight about it. Let's go share the gospel. Don't be a jerk about it. That's my evangelistic plea. Share the gospel, don't be a jerk. The church has far too easily said, you know what? A few people, a few of those Gen X people, me, got offended and said, because people were mean. Don't be mean. That doesn't mean don't share the gospel. Share the gospel. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He's in the cities doing it, and he's still doing it. Seven, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Since I brought Calvin up, I want you to hear this quote by Calvin. And here it is to be remembered. Remembered. That every benefit which God bestowed upon his ancient people was, as it were, a light held out before the eyes of the world to attract the attention of the nations to him. From this, the psalmist argues that should God liberally supply the wants of his people, the consequence would be to increase the fear of his name since all the, earth, all the ends of the earth would By what they saw of his fatherly regard to his own, submit themselves with greater cheerfulness to his government. How will they know we are Christians? By our love. Let them see that you love the God of mercy, the God of grace. Let them hear why you love the God of grace. Let them see how they can also know the God of grace. The Olympics in the summer, they're going to have the Parade of Nations. It starts up the Olympics. All the flags are coming out. It's exciting for the first 30 seconds or so for me. But it's cool. It's cool. It's like, all right. These are a bunch of athletes. I guess they need to take their time because they're about to run hard. But they're walking really slowly right now. But at the same time, this quote even by Spurgeon, these long marches these long marches that we are called to do for our kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, we are to wave his banner. We are to wave his banner. We are say, look to him. Look to the Father. Look to the Son. Have your eyes and ears and heart opened by the Holy Spirit. Let's make much of him. Lord, would you be gracious. May the nations see him. It's going to be beautiful one day. There will be a parade of nations around the throne of God. There will be a parade of nations. There will be fact. There will be people from every tongue, language, tribe, nation. There will be. That gives us even greater hope and greater encouragement to be about The gospel. There are people that are going to come to Jesus through the good news of Jesus. Go out into your communities, go out into all the world. The nations, everyone is going to be bowing at the feet of Christ. Those who love Christ, those who hate Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, he is the Lord. He is the Lord. And I hate it, but it is justice. Many will not continue. They will be receiving the wrath of God forever in hell. But those of us in Christ, we continue to sing from a heart of not just You are Lord factually, but you are my God. This psalm even says, our God. You are mine. I am yours. And you are for me. And you are good. We will be glad around the throne. Do you know Christ? If you don't, may your prayer be, Lord, would you be merciful to me? Would you be gracious to me? If you are a believer, would your prayer be, Lord, would you be merciful to me? Would you be gracious to me? And if you are a believer, that you would say, and Lord, don't let it stop with me. Let me be obedient and let it go to the ends of the earth.